Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. I'm your host, Jake Deemer, alongside Jerowin, and joining us this week is the last remaining undefeated team in our league. Welcome to the podcast, JC. How are you doing? Good, man. Glad to, glad to be here. How does it feel to be the, the sole remaining undefeated team? I think, honestly, like in my fantasy career, I've never gotten... I, I've, I've probably gotten pretty close, but in this league, I'd say it's pretty, pretty hard to come out the gate like that. So I'm pretty satisfied. Yeah, I mean, you've certainly earned the results to this point. I don't think that there's really been, I mean, you've beaten the median every time. So there's not been any schedule luck, but I mean, second in scoring, um, definitely earned it so far, beat a fellow undefeated team last week. So no, nothing fluky here about this start in my opinion, but we'll get right into it. Uh, we're going to start with the prior week recap. And as I just said, JC in the battle of the undefeated teams defeated Scott uh, last week. Jerowin also getting back in the win column with a victory over Eddie. Mike continues his strong start with a victory over Jordan. I beat Brendan. Um, not this wasn't the highest of scoring matchups, but it's okay. The next one was even lower scoring. Nate defeated Nick Lee. Neither team there topped 200 points. And then Sam defeated league villain Nick Endries. Uh, our median was a little lower uh, than normal, uh, 213. Um, but every, every one of our victors this past week also beat the median, except for Nate, uh, that final, uh, the final team that, finished over the median was Scott. So he is up at five and one. So I'm going to open it up. Any takeaways from, from last week? Uh, we'll start with Jerowin since he hasn't gotten anything to say. He hasn't had anything to say yet. So <laughs> we'll start with Jerowin. This is just, this is just how it'll go when we have guests. This is fine. I'll just be kind of here and then, then I'll talk. Okay. Uh, my takeaways are that I owe at least three apologies uh, to start out the the year the first apology is to jc and mike uh, i don't know what exactly i got wrong about their drafts but clearly i was way off they're the top two scoring teams in the league so my my sincerest apologies to you jc i'm glad you're on on the podcast to hear it and to you mike as well whenever you listen to this um i i, I was wrong and uh you know that's just going to happen sometimes when you when you put your words out there and you sound confident. So apologies to those two. The second apology uh, I'm going to have to give to Nick Lee, uh, who I also talked about last week uh, among JC and uh, Mike saying that I, I believed in his team the most and he had a total collapse this week. So clearly a kiss of death. And for that, I am also deeply sorry, Nick Lee, when you listen to this. I'll, uh, I'll do better next time, and hopefully Scherzer won't get suspended again. Um, and the final apology, uh, I must apologize to the whole league on behalf of myself. I think I'm just going to be insufferable to trade with this year. Uh, I, I still kind of believe in my team right now, and I don't really know what I want. O honestly, I might just like Courtney it 
this year and make like two trades. I don't know what's going to happen. It's it's very up in the air now. So at any rate, stay tuned. I might trade at some point. I might not. But for the time being, I'm still kind of out. So that's my three apologies. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We we forget about the the blockbuster Kyle Gibson for Jorge Polanco deal that, that, Courtney, that Courtney had with Nate last year. I'll soon we forget that that blockbuster trade. Well, I'll, I'll have a couple of those then. That'll be fine. JC, any takeaways from last week? Yeah, to kind of, I guess, to bounce off of Jerwin's last take there was actually that there's just been no trading, uh, which is pretty surprising. I feel like usually I never thought it, it took this long um, for Alex. I think we've only had one or two trades total. And I think by this time, by the end of last week, so going into this matchup, that there was going to be a lot more. And I noticed, like, I was also in a lot of conversations, but, like, nothing just, like, was clicking. And I think that leads to the next takeaway, which is just, like, I feel like everybody's kind of eyeing up, like, who, who's who's going to stay hot and who's cold right now and who might not get out from being too cold. And then my last takeaway was actually Mike's team, um, which is actually crushing it. Top three hitting in the league, top two, or sorry, um, I think it's top two pitching, top three hitting. And so I think he, he came to play. And uh, I didn't really think too much of his team the, the first week or, or so, but uh, now, now he's steamrolling. Yeah, spoilers for later in the show. We do not have any trades to talk about. So uh, that was definitely interesting. That's not not often that that happens. Uh, my takeaway is actually more of uh, we'll call it an intervention. Um, and we're we're all friends here, so Eddie is going to listen to this one. Maybe I hope he does because he, I'm going to tell him something he needs to hear. You got to stop start starting Austin Gomber. Um, <laughs> I'm saying that. As your friend, as your competitor, I would love to tell you to just leave him in your lineup, but I I can't watch your I can't watch you do this to yourself anymore. Uh, the man is he's three three out of his five starts he's been in the negative. He, he against the Pirates that was the the probably the ultimate Austin Gomber start uh, ne- negative twenty eight, which is like unheard of by a non relief pitcher or I guess a non true reliever. Uh, he's just he's really 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 bad. You just, he shouldn't be rostered. You can't, you shouldn't be starting him. And like, as your friends, we just, we can't let you do this to yourself anymore. I, as the commissioner, I might have to go onto your roster and force drop him from your team just to protect you from yourself. Uh, he, can, he can turn it around. JC, this is, that's not the type of attitude that we need. This is an intervention. You need, I need everybody on the same page here. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm not positivity. <laughs> Do you do you play him next week? Is that why you're why you're saying this? You need to just start him like one more week. No, I just found it funny because like Nate came into the chat and was like, "Yeah, he just got gombered." Oh yeah, that that's that's just the norm with Austin Gomber. He shouldn't be starting. But yeah, that's my takeaway, Eddie. As your friends, stop starting Austin Gomber just for your own for your own good for your own sanity. Uh, you gotta gotta move on from from Austin Gomber, but uh. Yeah, spoilers um, again. JC mentioned it. We do not have any trades to talk about. Uh, so yeah, Mike, I don't know how you let this happen, but um, <laughs> so we're gonna go right into the standings update. 
Uh, in the East Division, JC, as I said, he's the last remaining undefeated team, so he is in first place at 6-0. and Mike is right behind him at 5-1. and And then with, I have now gotten into third place with a 4-2 and record uh, out west. <laughs> out west. Uh, Scott is in first with a 5-1 and record, followed by Nick Lee at 4-2. and And Jerowin. Sneaks into third in the West Division with a three and three record. All right, so let's go to our main segment. And because I'm sure that this is so popular with all the people, we have another, uh, what do we call it? Like an O-meter, ometer segment. And this is the early season Keepometer. Uh, basically, we are going to go through a bunch of late rounders who have gotten off to very good starts. And we are going to give a number, um, and the number is basically, I guess we should say the scale of the, the O-meter, uh, is how likely they are to be kept or how keepable we think that they, that they are. Now, all of these late rounders will be, have been drafted this year, so they are not, uh, they're not ex-keepers themselves. So if they, if they get kept, this will be the first year that they are kept, um, at least in this eligibility cycle. So are we clear on the rules, everybody? Clear. Yep. All right, so we'll get right into it. The first one is Brandon Lau, and he is on League Villain Nick Andrews team. Uh, he was drafted in the 16th round. Um, he slowed down a little bit as of late, but he's still, still doing pretty well. Um, 2.8 points per game. He's currently the 13th overall uh, second baseman. Um, like I said, he scuffled a little bit as of late. He actually got the dreaded platinum sombrero, which for those who don't know, 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. Uh, I believe that was actually yesterday. So that's brought down his numbers just a tad, but he's gone off to a very good start. Uh, JC, we'll start with you. Let's, what's the number you give Brandon Lau? I did this like a, a zero being the worst at keeper value and 10 being the absolute be uh, best. Yes, I had yeah. him right around uh, middle, so I, I had him right at six. Jaron, what's your number? I also had a six. Uh, it seems like he's still struggling with strikeouts, obviously, with the platinum sombrero. Uh, but I don't know. Second base is kind of a tough scene, and Brandon Lau has had good seasons before i think he's just kind of like a streaky player so he's gonna be up and down um so yeah uh, about a six if he if he keeps it up for like a full season maybe someone takes the shot on him but um you know he he's one of those like bubble players i i think i went lower than you guys i gave him a three um i think He's just not, we kind of know who he is at this point. Like he said, he's very streaky, strikes out a lot. Um, he's not very good against lefties. So the Rays tune him a little more than you would like. But uh, I think the main thing here is I don't think people are going to be real excited to keep him. And I think that since he is a known commodity and he's, I don't want to say he's, he, he's definitely saying he's middling is, is unfair because he is better than middling, but I don't, I don't think we get real hyped as a league for these type of keepers. And um, I think he's maybe someone that might get taken in like an expansion draft, but towards the back of the expansion draft when there's not as much there. So I gave him a three. Um, not I was, 
I was about to ask. It. So we so we are considering expansion draft as a keep. Like that's that would count for for these purposes. I guess I don't know. I, I didn't give that. I didn't give that much thought. To be honest. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to factor it in, that's fine. I, okay. I that's just kind of, I was just kind of given where I view Brandon Lau, I guess, in the the scope of of keepers. No. But does that change your number at all? If it, I don't think so. I, that, but I, I agree. Like he seems like the kind of guy that someone could take in an in an expansion draft, uh, unless he you know, sustains a, a really good mark throughout the season and, you know, kind of breaks out a little bit compared to, to where he has been. All right, so we're, I guess that we're going to go into someone that's a little bit more exciting and very sad for me because I, I foolishly dropped this player uh, like a week into the season. Dude, you messed up. Yeah, I, I feel that. Um, Jared Kelnick. And... I drafted him in round 19, dropped him, Nate scooped him up, and he, like, immediately turned good. Um, he has been very, very good this year. Uh, strikeout rate is down. Um, he's, he's he's hitting for a lot of power. Uh, he's kind of like, doing what we had hoped he had done way back originally when he was brought up in the league. Um, but he looks like he certainly looks much better than he has in the past. And uh, I, I mean, I, I won't steal any thunder here. So I'll JC, give me your, give me your number for Jared Kelnick. I am pretty high. I, he's probably honestly out of this whole list. We have <clears throat> one of my highest, if not the highest, I, I had him ranked nine. Um, <clears throat> I'm not saying that's going to stick. I feel like I would not also be surprised if he gets streaky down the stretch, but um, as of right now, I have him as one of the highest rated on this list. Jerwin? Yeah, I'm just a tad lower at an eight. Uh, obviously, what he's doing right now is great, and I, I think my new favorite league tradition is Jake drops guy who immediately turns into potential super keeper. The... the the thing about that, though, is last year it was Eric Lauer who looked really great in April and then kind of disappeared throughout the rest of the season, didn't end up being kept. Um, but I think the story is probably going to be different for Kelnick. Uh, he's got he, – he was – as a prospect, he was ranked ahead of Julio Rodriguez for a long time. And he came up and it's taken him a lot longer to get going than it took Julio. But I, I think they're kind of similar players. They they hit the ball really hard. They, you know, they put up numbers and they strike out a little bit too much. But they they certainly have the skills to overcome that in our league. Um, so if if Kellenick keeps keeps it up, he's he's up in that like julio range of of players wow that's uh that's a lot of praise i i went i also went with an eight um the reason i didn't go higher was just like you said he does he, he's not striking out as much right now but with, with his strikeout issues in the past i just wanted to leave leave it open uh that those could creep up again but like i said he's 
he's if he's under like a 30 percent strikeout rate which i think he's at like 26 or 27 right now uh that's perfectly fine and that's gonna that's gonna be a huge boon for his value uh but like he's doing everything you want you wanted him to do coming into the year he's hitting the ball hard he's hitting for a lot of power which we we knew that he always had um if the strikeouts stay under control i, I think this this is a real breakout and you know what at, at long last nate has finally gotten me back for the glaber torres thing uh where he because it was like the same situation in reverse where where he dropped glaber torres like a week into the season and then i picked him up and this is like this feels like the exact same situation and i think it, it, whether he keeps him himself or is able to trade him later be, for a big fish like i did with glaber torres i think this is going to work out beautifully for him i believe i buy the breakout right now um small sample size but I, I don't know what what else you would really want to see from Jared Kalanick at this point. Like it looks pretty real to me. So sad for me. Um, happy for for Nate though. I'm sure, especially since he was the guy who like originally believed in Jared Kalanick. Like I, that is kind of funny. Like he he's going to probably end up being the the benefactor of the breakout like at long very, last. Very much a Nate guy for sure. All right. So next we get to talk about a pitcher. And this is a guy that is on JC's team, and that's Justin Steele, who was drafted in the 22nd round. And uh, Steele was a guy, he was like, I think he was one of Jordan's uh, like Spark Squad players last year. Uh, but he has, he kind of broke out a little bit last year, but he has definitely continued that so far this year. He has looked excellent. Um, he's currently the, just outside the top 10 at starting pitcher uh, he's over 20 points per game and uh he's looked pretty fantastic um sub two era uh sub one whip um even i know that he has the a's on it he's he had the a's on the schedule but i mean he also had uh the dodgers and and texas that he thoroughly shut down as well so uh can't say he's a product of the schedule um Jerowin, i'm going to start with you just because this is jc's guy uh, and that seems to be tradition on this podcast for whatever reason. Um, so give me a number for Justin Steele. I also went with an eight here on Justin Steele. I'm I'm buying the breakout. Um, partially, partially due to reading stuff that like Nick Pollock at PitcherList said about him. He's like the the slider he's got does really well against other lefties that he faces and he's doing a great job of jamming righties with his fastball and that's why his his hard contact numbers are are so great he's really getting a lot of weak contact by putting the pitches in in the right spot to to get that weak contact so that's why i'm buying it I'm not higher than an eight because there are some things that I would like to see improve his, his strikeout rates, 25%. That's decent, but not like elite. His walk rate is 8.4 right now. Again, not like end of the world walk rate, but you'd want that to be a little bit better, but that's like nitpicky stuff. And with a 22nd round pick, like, He's. I, I think he's going to be well worth that if if he continues to to pitch like he has been. All right, JC, tell us why. Tell us why your guys is a a ten. A ten. 
<laughs> uh, to take out the <clears throat> just the bias, like I I definitely would, but I actually gave him an eight point five, which put him right behind uh, Kalinic, um, just because I think Kalinic takes the whole cake um, from this list for me at least. Spoiler, but um, I put I'd put him right behind. Uh, obviously, I've been really enjoying him. Um, I only read a little bit about him before I even drafted him, <clears throat> but it was in the late rounds. And I didn't even know he was, or I forgot that he was on Jordan's team last year, but I started reading things that he got upticked on his fastball. He had an improved slider and things really just started to click for him um, in his camp. And then looking at him now, like I, I think he's the real deal. Um, and I don't really think he's going to go anywhere. Um, like you said, he faced some pretty good teams. I think the whiff rates there, if he keeps the walks down, I know, uh, he had like four walks, I think, with Texas and a couple at Oakland. So I think as long as he keeps the walk rate down, he'll find more success going forward. So I had him at 8.5. I'm kind of right there with you guys. I gave him a seven. And uh, it's for a lot of the reasons, Jared, when you already kind of specified, you already went, kind of went through his, his skill set. But uh, it is like the weak contact thing. I normally don't feel like that's a crazy thing sticky stat year to year but i can buy it when you're locating your pitches as well as steel is um like if you're, if you're locating like you said like and you're actually putting them in a place that you're going to induce that weak contact and you're doing that very consistently i can buy that as a skill that's sticking around um so i think that's kind of my main selling point with with justin steel um like you said the walks are a little higher than you would want i think that's why i'm at a seven and not higher um, but that is really nitpicky and you, he, you can't really ask him to do much more than what he's done at this point. I think if, if there was going to be a Justin Steele breakout, this is kind of exactly what it would look like. And, uh, and I, I think, I think this is kind of just the guy he is now. He's going to be able to induce weak contact. I don't, I don't know that the strikeout rate is going to get much better than, than 25%, but I think that's perfectly fine. So I gave him a seven. I think that he's going to be a very solid, very solid pitcher. And um, especially in this current environment with uh, the, all the inconsistencies, maybe it's just me with, with my staff. I, I get mad at them like every other start just because it's, they're always, they're like, you can't decide if they're terrible or not. So maybe it's just me, but the pitching environment, like I, I would welcome the consistency of Justin Steele. <laughs> so I think you got a definitely got a good one there and um, I think it'll stick around. So let's go to next to somebody who has kind of been a little, I don't want to say divisive because I think we've all kind of been on the same side of just, uh, just bashing him nonstop, uh, especially on the, on the podcast. That's uh, Cody Bellinger who was drafted all the way in the 23rd round by Nick Lee. Um, and we over the years have been an extremely anti Bellinger podcast i think we we blasted i think it was, was it mike last year for because we thought he drafted him too early and that was even like in the 10th round uh and then i believe we were even anti bellinger before that i mean we were calling him washed like before everybody else was not i think we just like to pile on bellinger not to say that we were like foreseeing anything i think we just kind of liked to pile on the guy but my goodness um it got bad there for a while Different story this year, though, uh, as he has now gone over to the Cubs, 
which is weird because we usually think the Dodgers are the team that would would fix guys, but as it turns out, the, he's gotten better since he's gone to join the Dodgers. Uh, he's his batting average is over 300. Um, he's uh, slugging 550. <laughs> he's looked great. Um, he's looked. I, I know the quality of contact hasn't been terrific, but I, I believe his what is it, his max exit velocity is, has actually been very good, which is usually a better sign of of power than anything else. Uh, he's looked like a transformed hitter to this point and uh, definitely has kind of resembled his his MVP form. He's currently at four points per game uh, and is the top overall center fielder. JC, what number do you give Cody Bellinger? How much do you believe? Yeah, I gave him a five. Um, That's deflating. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not just to get on the anti, like, Bellinger train again or anything like that. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> he just really... I think this is like the best average that, that he's had since like 2019. So, I mean, like if it sticks like great, I don't know why he had to do it in Chicago. Um, but uh, it's just not like, I, I would need a lot more from Bellinger um, to really, even like at the, like I could see keeping him since he's such a, a late round, you don't really lose anything if you don't have really anybody else on your team or in the expansion. But as of right now, I, I just, I have him as a five. I think I need more. Jerwin? I'm only a little bit higher at a six for Bellinger. And it might just be the, the hatred bias as well for me. Uh, first, the good. His plate discipline has been stellar so far to start the season. Just a 14.1% walk rate or strikeout rate. Um, and that is, I mean, if it sticks, it would be, I think, a career low unless uh, he started in 2018, right? That was his first year. Uh, I think it was 2017 was his first. Yeah, it would have been 2017 because he started the same year as Judge. Okay. Well, the page I'm looking at only has back to 2018, unless he had a better strikeout rate in 2017 when he first got the call. His his best strikeout rate has been was 16% in 2019. Um, but yeah, so if if things continue as they are, then. The, the Cody Bellinger's fixed and he's you know he was drafted in the 23rd round he's going to be an amazing keeper I, I just don't I I what what reason do I have to believe that he is fixed and this is like the real deal now and what reason do I have to believe that he's not going to make some adjustment to his swing in the offseason and break himself again so it to me it's not so much about what he's doing right now as it is what what is he going to do in six months yeah i mean i gave him a six and i think what's really selling me like you said is the is the plate discipline has been fantastic i mean this is this is the highest walk rate he's had since his uh well i guess he had a higher one in 2020 but i mean when that's when when he was good bellinger he was walking a lot and this is this is the best strikeout rate that he's ever had. And he just has looked like a 
he's looked like a different hitter. And I, I, I know that you you mentioned like the bad Bellinger with the bad tinkering. Maybe he's tinkered his way back into being good. Maybe he's uh, like, it's come full circle. He's, he tinkered his way, his batting stance so much uh, after his MVP season for whatever reason. And he's finally tinkered so much that all of those little uh, tweaks have gotten him back to that. <laughs> and it just, it just took a long time, but uh, I, I get that like the, he's not hitting the ball crazy hard, but like I said, um, it's max EV is, is fine. And I don't know. I, I kind of want to buy it. I, I sort of do, even though I like, th- I think this is one of the situations where it's like the he- your head says no, but your heart says yes. Like I, like my heart is like Cody Bellinger's back. And uh, I don't know why I never really cared about, it. I never really cared for Cody Bellinger, but uh, yeah, I, I think I buy this one. I'll, I'll give him a six, but like you said, I get, you definitely got to leave. You got to leave enough room on the meter for him to then, like after he's good to then tinker his way back to being bad, just because that's who he is, I guess. All right, so we'll go to another member of Nick Lee's team, and this is a pitcher, and this is a Pirates pitcher who we are talking about as a potential keeper. Like, how about that? Mitch Keller was drafted in the 20th round. Um, I feel like Mitch Keller's uh, actually... I don't, I don't know if I should, well, I guess he's a little, it's a little younger than we, we think he is. I like, to me, it feels like he's been around forever, but I guess he really hasn't. Um, and maybe just maybe he's finally, uh, he's finally tinkered himself into being good. He, I guess I don't want he's definitely not the pitcher version of Cody Bellinger with the, with the tinkering, but he's definitely made a ton of arsenal changes over the years. Um, and maybe he's finally found something here. Jerwin, we'll start with you. Give me your thoughts on Mitch Keller. Uh, I'm a I'm a bad Pirates fan. I I don't think I'm buying it quite yet. I gave him I gave him a three, so I gave some room to where I'm wrong. But just looking at kind of what he's doing, the the big things I think are that he's he's throwing a cutter now this year. That's brand new. Um, and I I. I think he's throwing a sweeper rather than a slider now you can correct me if i'm wrong but like that's like the spicy pitch that everyone likes to hear about these days but like the thing for me is the cutter is doing good but it's not like a a blow your socks off kind of pitch for him and i mean just adding a good pitch is always a good thing but what kind of sticks out for me is the the slider this year, if he's if he's changed it into a, a sweeper, it's it's not looking great by the numbers. So I don't know that I'm quite in on him yet. Maybe we'll see. And I mean his his hard contact numbers are really low, so that's encouraging, but I don't I just don't know that I'm super in on him even with the the improvements and the changes. Oh, JC, give me some more positive news on Keller. Uh, and more positive, uh, I did rank him a little higher um, at a four for keep value. Um, 
I like K guys and I, I think he's getting it done with the pirates, but I mean, like if he goes to another team, sure. He might become an eight in that keeper value. Um, but like Jaron was touching on uh, his pitches. It is a sweeper, but he only throws it, which I think he does need to throw more, more so than he is. Cause I think he only throws it like 15% of the time. And then the other two pitches he leans on is four seam and cutter. Um, and those cutters good. I think too, that's where he's also getting some of that contact, but he doesn't really like his arsenal is expanded, but it was also the, like things like his change up his curveball. Pretty sure he throws less than like 8%. Um, so I think he has it. I don't know how he's utilizing it. Um, and I think he, like, he's got the value and he's a pitcher. You can start him in our league for sure but I don't have the confidence down the long stretch. I, I hope as a fan, it bites me, but right now, no. Boo, both of you guys. I am choosing to believe with a five and a half. I don't have an answer. Wow. Um, Is there something else? Don't mind my Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought Alexa was going to chime in with a number for Mitch Keller. But, uh, <laughs> I, but I, I'm choosing to believe here. Um, Keller, actually, it's it's kind of interesting. You brought up the pitch mix. He kind of has like a kitchen sink approach where he just sort of throws – he throws so many different pitches, and uh, it kind of varies start to start on what he sticks with. Like he just sort of – he starts with everything, kind of sees what works and sticks with it throughout the start. It's, it's been very interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, he's – like you said, he has six pitches now. The sweeper is one of them, Jared, when you were correct about that. Um, and I normally this is not something I would be crazy about um because none of the pitches are like elite elite but i don't know i'm choosing to believe here i think he might have found something it's it is positive that we actually have like this is this i think this is the second week in a row we've gotten to talk about a pirates pitcher that's made like a positive adjustment which is wild because that never used to happen but i think this is another one where um maybe maybe going a little more with my heart here just because i i want him to be good but uh yeah, I'm going five and a half, um, choosing choosing to believe. Let's go to another hitter. Um, well, we'll go back to a hitter. And this is Jonathan India from Scott's team. Uh, he is a round 19. Well, I shouldn't say round 19 keeper because that would be a lie. Uh, he was drafted in the 19th round. Um, somebody else can do the quick math and figure out what keep round he would be. But uh JC, we can start with you. Give me your thoughts on Jonathan India. I have him at a six and a half, so 6.5. So I do believe he has it at towards the amount is um, what I'm not really too certain on. Um, th he's averaging three points a game right now, and I just don't really know in the consistency. Might be the team around him, but – um, I don't know. I just like, for me, like with second base, I mean, it could make sense. Like if, if he kind of heats up a little bit more, but like for right, right where he's at, I, I'm just really not convinced. So I'm at a six and a half. I think I could go higher, but, um, I just don't, I'm not fully there. Actually a little higher on Jonathan India. I gave him an eight. Um, I love I love the improved plate discipline and the hard contact so far this year. Hopefully he keeps it up. Um, 
judging by like some of the underlying plate discipline numbers, his his chase rate is a bit lower from last year. That's great. Um, his contact numbers, uh, both his, especially his out of zone contact. So like when when he is swinging out of the zone, he's at least not missing it. So like that is way up, which is bringing his overall contact way up. Um, so I'm I'm kind of buying in on the the plate discipline improvements, and uh, liking a lot of of what I see so far. And he would be available in the 15th round next year, if for the math. Thank you for doing that quick subtraction there. Um, I am, I'm, I think I kind of align more with Jerwin on this one. Um, I gave him a seven. And I don't think, to be clear, Jonathan India is not going to be like a horrific keeper. He's not, he's, I don't even know that he's going to be a guy that you're super stoked about keeping, but he is very good for our type of league. Like you said, he doesn't swing and miss. Um, he doesn't chase, uh, doesn't really strike out all that often. And he walks a lot. So he got, he has a very good floor and the, uh, the advanced stats kind of back up that sustaining. I think that he, we've seen him be a pretty good hitter in the past. Um, I know that he was bad last year, but, you know, sometimes that happens. <laughs> I think the year before was probably closer to uh, the true hitter or the true Jonathan India. Um, he's not going to be a guy you're excited about keeping, but he is a guy that you can be like, oh, I have my starting second baseman in the 15th round. I don't have to worry about that now. And that makes you pretty happy to have him around. Um, I think he's he definitely lands in the, uh, the starting tier of, of second baseman. So uh, yeah, I'll give him a seven. Um, I think he's definitely a very, very uh, keepable player, especially uh, in our format uh, where his, where his skills sort of, where he, he can sort of, uh, I guess, like maximize his, his profile. All right. So it comes to the time, it comes to the, it's the time of the podcast where we get to talk about a player from Jerowin's team. Hoopla. <laughs> can i just do that every time you like introduce a player i'll just say hoopla and that'll be yeah i mean if you want to introduce the pl said player you're welcome to if you if you if he has some special introduction or something i i mean i just i refer to my players by by first name most okay of the time, so i should so. probably so i should probably do it <laughs> so everybody knows who we're talking about that's graham ashcraft I uh, was drafted in the 23rd round. I will say I was sad to see him get picked because I was also looking to take him in that range, but he has been very good this year. Um, maybe not to the, not in the same way we sort of expected, but he has pitched very well to this point. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't want, I won't read off his stats because I'm sure that you guys will reference them. So as is tradition, since this is Jarrod's player, he is going to go second. So, JC, give me your thoughts on Graham Ashcraft. Ashcraft, I I really like. I have him pretty high um, as well. I have him at an eight. Uh, what I was most surprised about too that I didn't know till um, later in the season was he mainly relies on three pitches, and I don't know why. I thought it was I thought it was a lot more. Um, and it was the cutter and the slider that he uses mostly. He relies heavily on those two pitches. Um, and it, it sucks because, like, I know what it's like to own a pitcher 
on the red. Sometimes if it's at home, it, it could be a rough day. Um, but um, for like the most part, when they can perform in that environment, like, like he has, I think it, it speaks pretty well. Um, and besides like getting a couple dinks when they played the Pirates, um, he's been pretty flawless. I mean, 1.88 ERA, uh, I, I, I have him pretty high. All right, Jerwin, it's it's your time. This I I I don't know. Like, just hold on to something, folks, because you're <laughs> gonna you're gonna need you like sit down something because I'm actually a little bit lower than JC on my own guy Graham Ashcraft. What I what him, what? Sell him then. <laughs> I've I, I warned you. I warned everybody. Uh. Graham Ashcraft, I gave him a six. I think he's had good results so far, but he has more to show for for him to be consistent enough to warrant a keep, I think. Um the I I like some the the changes that he made to his slider, uh throwing it a lot harder this year. That's what kind of keyed me into him and made me want to draft him. Um that's going well, but he's still having some control issues, and I just see some regression in the future if he doesn't if he doesn't fix those things. I'm not I'm not worried that he's gonna like completely fall off the radar though. Like the stuff that he has, the slider is good. The the cutter like he throws it super hard and he does have that sinker that he that he mixes in as well. Uh, he just he needs to throw more strikes and he's young. I he has the potential to to figure it out and but like clearly he has the stuff in his arsenal to to kind of coast along even while he's having some of these ancillary issues go on so i i think his floor is probably like a toby like if you don't follow pitcher list mantras um he a toby's kind of like a guy who you keep around he's probably good enough to start on your team but maybe you would prefer someone else i think that's kind of graham ashcraft's floor but if he's able to to figure it out and his, get his control under control, if you will, then um, I, I think he could have a pretty good skill set to to be successful in this league. So all that to be said, a six. I am absolutely stunned right now because I, I even wrote down, Jerwin, get ready to duck because I'm about to throw some cold water on Graham Ashcraft. Like that's in my notes because I thought that you were, I thought you were going to be higher on him. So you definitely stole some of my thunder, for sure. I have him as a five um, for a lot of the reasons that Jerowin actually said. I mean, I, I kind of disagree about the stuff. Uh, he's not getting, I think his main problem right now is he's not getting any swings and misses. Like his stuff should be, in theory, better than it is because he throws very hard and the slider has good movement to it. Uh but he's not really fooling anybody. He's not getting many chases. He's not getting many swings and misses in general. And I think that speaks to the, uh, I guess, like a cap on his upside as a strikeout pitcher. Uh, and that's kind of what I was excited about 
uh, coming into the year for Ashcraft was I, I thought that he like I think we I think he might be one of those pitchers where we see like the gifts of the of the hundred mile an hour fastballs and all this stuff and it just it looks better than it actually is. Uh, and I, like I was excited because he had it like you said he in theory improved the slider and that was going to improve the fastball and then we were going to have a high volume strikeout arm and that really hasn't happened. Uh, and I, I don't know that there's really been many positive signs to indicate that that's coming or like that's right around the corner. Uh, and then you, you also brought up the, the control issues. Um, I think out of, out of all pitchers, at least the ones that I, that are fantasy relevant or some breakout guys. Um, I think he's gotten very, very fortunate, uh, with his results to this point. Um, and I could, I could see it going South in a hurry, but, uh, all that to say, he's been very good so far. Um, could I could I ask? So when you say stuff, so so when I said stuff, I I like the stuff that he has. To me, it seems like his his arsenal is lending itself to weak contact. He's got a very high ground ball rate right now, so that's why I think like his floor is. You know, he's not going to give up a ton of hard contact and get crushed all game. And he's, he's going to, you know, get weak ground balls and, and get outs and, and be that kind of higher volume guy. Uh, I agree the, the issue is like he's not getting swings and misses and he's not getting the strikeouts we want. But so when you say stuff, do you always mean like stuff that's going to get swings and misses? To, to me, stuff like also included like inducing weak contact because it's just a hard pitch to barrel up. Sure, it can it can mean that too. I mean, that's a like I said, that's a skill we already highlighted that with with Justin Steele. But like Ashcraft isn't locating the way that Steele is, and that's that's kind of what certainly worries me a little bit. With like, is this actually a skill, or is he just getting fortunate because he throws hard? And I don't know that there's really like, so I, when I say like, in theory, his stuff should be better. Like he has, he hasn't, he throws a hundred miles an hour and he has, he has a slider that gets a good bit of movement in theory that should be inducing a lot of whiffs. Right. But it, it's not. And that just shows like batters aren't being fooled. They're not chasing pitches, which also tells me he's probably not low. He's probably not spotting his pitches very well, yeah. because if you have that type of movement, you should be able to set guys up, but it doesn't seem like he's fooling many hitters. And I don't know if that, and I, I think that that maybe has to do with like, the, like you said, the command's not really there. And uh, I just think he's gotten very fortunate at this point. Like the walks haven't really hurt him. So maybe it is, maybe he can, I think he can get away with more than like, say a Justin Steele because, uh, and I, I only bring up Justin Steele because he's the guy that we've been taught. He's also another guy we've been talking about, but like yeah. Steele only throws like 92 miles an hour. So yeah. he has to locate better than Ashcraft has, or than Ashcraft does, because Ashcraft throws a lot harder. It gives you a wider margin for error. So I, I'm wondering if, if if these mistakes are going to start to get punished sooner rather than later. And like he he plays in a in a very bad ballpark. I know he gets a lot of ground balls, yeah. but I it, I don't know that that's going to keep up if I don't believe that he's locating that he's locating. I'm wondering. I'm thinking this is more due to luck than anything else his his results have been what they what they have been so i think if he can 
keep that walk rate down though like more than where he's been at he's got a pretty good chance I mean he put away some pretty good bats I mean steaming you know steaming Pittsburgh Atlanta Philly I feel like he you know he earned a lot of that I don't think it it would be if if his walk rate kind of stays the same and it doesn't get better then I think he's gonna have like you were saying, a lot of problems, but I'm pretty sure he's in like, he's the 90th percentile for fastball velocity um, with a, I think he's in the 45th percentile for K rate. So I, I think he, he's got it, but those walks, like you said, haven't bit him yet, but if he stays right around there, if he can keep down to like less than two, three walks a game, especially if he's away, I think that could pay some dividend. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go too much longer on on Ashcraft because we do have we have some other players we want to get to, but I mean, I I guess just I, I don't believe now that I've seen it, um, and I've seen the slider not be what I thought it was going to be. Um, I do think this is a case of like the the stuff in theory should be better, but he's just not fooling hitters, and I don't I I mean, it may, maybe it's his I don't know if it's like his approach angle or what, but whatever it is, he's not, he's not really fooling hitters. Um, and I, I think that'll, that'll eventually come back to the bite him, but let's not go too, too much farther in Ashcraft. Um, we're going to spend all the time talking about a Jarrod player. <laughs> well, we'll go to uh, a player on Jordan's team. Also fun fact, another one of my bold prediction players. And that is Brendan Donovan, who was drafted by Jordan in the 18th round. Now he's here partially because he was in my bold predictions and we, we really liked him, but he's definitely cooled off quite a bit uh, since the season started. And he, I think in the first week he was tearing the, he was tearing the cover off the ball, but he has definitely cooled down since then. He is now uh, averaging only 2.2 points per game, or I guess at 2.1. And um, he's not hitting for the same type of power he was earlier, but don't let me sway your numbers. I'll stop there. JC, what's your number on Brendan Donovan? I have Donovan at a five. I think it'd be higher because he, he does have every freaking position eligibility except for center field and catcher. Give him that catcher eligibility, and literally he, he'd, he'd probably go up like two, two points right there. Um but like you said, he, even though he did cool off, I think a lot of his numbers will stick. Like, I think his batting average right now is 271. Like, I, I think it stays right around there. Like, um, I, I don't, I'm not really, he's not really a player I'm, I'm super excited about. Um, I think since it's later in the draft, like, it wouldn't pay any harm. But um, for me, it's just, it, the value's not there. Jerwin? Yeah, I was also out of five. Like you said, cooled off significantly. Um, I, I still think he's probably decent in our format, given given the plate discipline. It's been a little bit worse so far this year compared to last season. But, um, I mean, those numbers can normalize as well. I, I still kind of buy the improvements but I, I'm just wondering how high they've actually made his his ceiling overall. So um, 
Maybe we're just happening to be talking about him during a down week. Every player has down weeks, down months. Um, but and and he could turn it around. But on on the chance that you know maybe we've seen the highs and he's more like the player he is now than he was than he is the player he was in the first matchup or two. Um, uh, kind of hedging my bets at a five. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you guys. I gave him a four. Um, and it, it's not, I don't know if, I, I guess I'm wondering if maybe the changes weren't weren't great for his profile because he didn't really, he doesn't really hit the ball very hard in general. And his main calling card was his play discipline and his, uh, his content, like his hit tool. And it, it doesn't, it definitely doesn't seem like he's, been able to maximize it maybe this is this was us uh well, i guess I, i'll just i'll pin it on me because it was in my bold prediction but like maybe this was me just maybe this was like wishful thinking on my part where i i thought he could kind of uh successfully merge the two i thought that there would be some uh i guess some regression with his with his plate discipline if he was going to start trying to swing for more power but it just doesn't look like it's worked to the to this point and like you said changes can the, the uh the, the fact is we're only what a month into the season. So like if he has a couple good games, that'll raise his, his, all of his stats substantially same way. If it's the, if he has a week where he's bad. So, I mean, it can fluctuate a lot, but just going off of what I have, it doesn't look to me like this is working, unfortunately. And I, I still think, I still think it could, but I'm not, I'm definitely not going to bet on it. I, my hope is still that he is like, an Alex Bregman light that is eligible everywhere. But I, I think that that hope for me is kind of, it's kind of faded a little bit. Um, and I almost wonder if this, if this does continue, if he'll start to go back to his old plate approach. Uh, I, I, I think that would probably be, I don't, I don't even know that I, that I want to say it would be better for fantasy because he wasn't even like, he wasn't really anything special at that point. So I guess in terms of him being, I'm kind of talking myself even farther down. I'm I'm actually going to go with a three and a half here. Uh, even though he is eligible everywhere, like if he's eligible everywhere, he still has to be like worth starting at all those positions for him to actually be worth keeping. And uh, I don't know that he is, but he's got plenty of time to turn it around. I hate to like bail on a bold prediction already, but I'm, I don't know. Those are my genuine thoughts on Brendan Donovan at this point. So let's go to our next one. Um, and we're sticking with Jordan's team. And this is a guy who has been kept before, but not in this cycle. Gerald, and I'm sorry to bring back bad memories, but we got to talk about Sonny Gray, who is being, <laughs> yeah, he, he's, uh, yeah, I think he's actually been kept and sent back into the pool a couple times. Like he's never been kept all three years, but he's been kept like a year here and a year there. If I, if memory serves, I don't, I don't know that for sure, but Anyways, he was drafted in the 21st round, and I mean, he's been very, very good this year. He's now with the Twins. Um, he's over 20 points per game. He's actually the fourth overall pitcher right now, which is kind of wild. Uh, and he's been, I mean, I don't know what you what else to say about him. He's got an uh, 062 ERA. Um, he's, faced, he's faced down the likes of the Yankees and Houston, and he's come out with seven innings of well i guess i shouldn't i guess it's not shutout ball but 
one one run ball in both uh and against the astros he struck out 13 i don't know sunny gray has looked fantastic to start the year jerwin what are your thoughts on your former keeper well he's out of new york so obviously it's a lot better but i i gave him a seven uh He's not going to be untouchable the rest of the season like he is right now, but I don't know. He, I think he's got, he definitely has the ability and the track record uh, to be like a, a, a decent starting pitcher in our league. And for the discount he's got, it could be very well worth it. Um, the question for me is just, he's, he's a very inconsistent pitcher. That's why he gets kept and dropped and kept and dropped. Um, so maybe this just happens to be a good year and, or maybe it's just like a good couple months and then he falls off in the last half of the year and he doesn't get kept. So, I mean, if things keep going this well for him and he's shown in his career that it can go well for longer periods of time, then then he'll be a keep. But uh, I just don't know how much we can trust that it will. JC, what are your thoughts on Sonny Gray? Sonny Gray, I too had a seven. Um, I don't really think Sonny really needs a whole lot of explanation. He's been a pitcher for quite some time now since the athletics. Um, and, you know, he bared through some injuries and, you know, he got up. And right now, I think we're seeing his peak. Um, I think like it can't get better than this with Sony, but um, I, I don't really, I, I think the numbers are going to correct and it's going to come down. I could see him still hovering around like 13 to 14 fantasy points a game by end season. Um, but to me, I, I, that still has a lot of keeper value, especially the way our league is with pitching. Um, so I, I have met a seven. Like I said, it's it's Sony. He, he's been around for a while. I don't really think need to think too deeply about him. I don't know. I actually I I went with a seven. Um, and the reason I'm not higher is because there's like Jerwin said, there's some inconsistency which has kind of plagued him his whole career. But I mean, there's kind of a legit change here that I feel like sort of flew under the radar. Um, he's upped his cutter usage and it's kind of set up like the rest of his arsenal, which he, his fastball is bad, but he's kind of been replacing that with using the cutter more and it's setting up everything else. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of working. Uh, I think he's, he, he's shown before he's been a good pitcher, but I, I like to see that there is a positive change. And I think one that can really that can stick, I, I think he's going to be one of the, uh, I don't want to say like hidden gems, but I, th I think he's going to be one of the, I guess I'll just call him a hidden gem this year. Um, <laughs> and then one, something that nobody really saw coming. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of buy the change here as something that can stick. And um, yeah, I think with, like you said, JC, with the way that we value pitching, um, I think he he'll definitely be kept. All right. So let's go, let's bounce back the other way with a hitter. Um, and this is one that is on Sam's team. And a guy that I, I think has probably been overdrafted a little bit in the past, but that's Matt Chapman. 
who has looked fantastic this year. Um, he's hitting 357. His OPS is over a thousand. Uh, and he has just, I mean, he looks, he looks very good. He's almost at three and a half points per game. Uh, he's the currently the third overall third baseman. JC, what are your thoughts on Matt Chapman? For Matt Chapman, I, I guess have, I did. Hold on, I can give you a round. It's round twenty-one. It's yeah. When he's drafted. Yeah. So I I have him uh, at a seven. Um, third base in general is just not deep at all in our league. So I mean, the, just alone at that position that he's drafted in, I, I think that's a a pretty good bet. I don't think to where he's hitting right now will sustain like a 3.4 3.5 fantasy points per game but I still think he's going to have a lot of value I think that only drops minorly and I think that's around that maybe 2.8 to 3.2 range um, where I think a lot of value can be found and I mean I like the Blue Jays there's a lot of power around him so there's a lot of potential for him to get RBIs and runs in but yeah I, I have him at a at a seven when give me your thoughts on Matt Chapman. I was I was kind of waffling between a seven and an eight, and I think I'm gonna stick to a seven. Uh he was kind of a sleeper pick on my radar in preseason. I mean, he was like red hot late last year. I don't know if he I can't remember if he like sustained that through the end of the season or kind of fell off or not. But like I, I do remember a time in which he was like absolutely killing it last year. And we just kind of forgot about him maybe maybe he did fall off and that would be why but um i don't know he's obviously right back to it this season i think i agree with jc though that it's it's probably not going to be sustainable to the level that it is um i'll say i'll cite barrel rate again his career high was 17 percent back in 2020 currently it's at 31 percent which is just astronomical barrel rate. So he's seeing the ball really well right now, making great contact, which is what you want to see. Um, but I, I think he's probably going to be, again, another one of those kind of streaky players. Obviously, from what we can see, the highs are going to be pretty high. So he could he could very well be worth it. But um, he could he could also, you know, go on a tough stretch and end up someone else gets kept instead of him uh he could he could be like on the bubble and, and miss the cut if he if he you know has a down streak at the wrong time i think i'm also going to go with a seven here and um i don't have too much more to add but i think we did kind of i don't want to say that he like kind of previewed this last year because like you said he he was ridiculous for a stretch last year but yeah i mean he he Draw, he de- he dropped his strikeout rate last year, which was very positive because it was frankly like he was never going to break out with a strikeout rate in the mid thirties. That was just not going to happen. So he dropped it to twenty seven percent last year. This year it's even farther down. It's about twenty. It's almost twenty five percent. But like the lineup context is great. I think we kind of all hoped that he would like pull a Josh Donaldson where he went from Oakland being like a pretty good option in Oakland to to MVP candidate in Toronto. I don't think he's going to pull a Josh Donaldson, but he's, I don't think he could be, I don't think he's far off, I guess, uh, or like too far off. 
Um, I think he kind of settles into like a 2.8, 3.2 with JC. I think you were spot on with that estimate. Um, and if he can kind of up the power, like, so it, it, I think, I don't want to say he wants to up the power, but uh, he's always hit the ball really hard. I think the, even though he hit 27 home runs last year, I think we were all a little disappointed with that. Um, if he can get to the, let's say like the mid thirties, which is where he was in like his, his best season in Oakland was 36 home runs. I think, I think if he can get to uh, like the 33 ish range uh, with the lineup around him, it's going to be plenty of counting stats and that's very important in the points league. Uh, Also for, for volume, I feel like we don't talk about that a whole lot. If you're, if you're in the, in the good lineup, you're just going to be up to bat more and that kind of matters too. But uh, yeah, I, I think I believe in, in match happen here as a, as a breakout candidate, um, which is not something I thought I would say, cause I, I just, he just doesn't seem like the type of player that I would be enamored with, but here we are. All right. So up next we have Ryan Mountcastle. I believe he's on Mike's team. I probably should have written that down, but uh, he is round 21. Um, he is, he's a guy that we were, I think we were all stoked about, uh, what was that two years ago? Maybe it was three. I don't know, but we were once upon a time, very stoked about Ryan Mountcastle. And I think it just sort of fell apart. Now, part of that was the Orioles own doing because they moved their fences back like 30 feet for some reason, but uh, he has looked very good this year. Um, JC, we can start with you. Is Ryan Mountcastle back? Uh I'd say, I'd say he's back. Um, not to an extreme extent. Um, for his rank for keeping, I have him at a five and a half. So more leaning towards um, pretty keepable. My thing is, is first base. Um, I, I, I think he can bring a lot of value there. But uh, for him being like, there's just really not a, a lot of data um with him right now and I just feel like he's a lot more streaky he's thinks in 2.8 fantasy points per game I wouldn't be surprised if he got the three points a game and kind of just stuck right there but I don't really see him hitting uh the ball out a a whole lot more than like kind of like where he currently is like I know looking him up they compared bats to him the same as like uh, Jazz, Jazz Chisholm, Adolis Garcia, Eduardo Escobar. Um, which I don't really believe the, the Escobar one, but um, I, I have met, I, I've met a six. I think Mountcastle for me was probably honestly like the hardest one to to read. So I, I'm kind of really intrigued to see what you guys have lined up for him. Yeah, I think I I think I agree with that. He is. He's tricky because like the the contact metrics look really good and the plate discipline is the plate discipline's not great. The batting average is really low. But again, like the contact metrics like say that his batting average should be better. So he could actually improve from here. But I think ultimately I don't know that I can bet on him sustaining this and I, I I don't even know that where he is now I mean I I 
don't have his how many points per game he's averaging right now pulled up but like obviously he's doing very well i don't even know if like if things stay the same if he's going to maintain that level of success for points leagues and and be keepable even if he doesn't regress i i, I don't know i like i the number which is what we came here for i gave him a 4 I think he's kind of like a shakier version of of um, Matt Chapman at this point. So, kind of a little bit low on him, but like I agree, kind of kind of tough to line up. Yeah, I went with a three, and that's because, um, well, it's a combination of things. I feel really bad for for Ryan Mountcastle because I do think he is a very good hitter, and the quality of contact kind of backs that up, but. He's like the anti-Alex Bregman in that his approach is like the worst possible thing for his ballpark because he his power is to his pull side where they just got where they just bumped the fences back 30 feet. So like his home park just swallows home runs to the pull side for a righty. And it it just is not a good situation. We kind of saw it, it eat Trey Mancini alive. Uh, when he was there last year and like the players hate it the players hate it they've been vocal about it but like whereas Alex Bregman his subpar uh, quality of contact is kind of perfectly suited for the uh, the shorter left field porch in Houston um, Ryan Mountcastle's is his profile is not at all suited for the new Camden Yards so I, I think that will kind of put a cap on his value. He's also, I mean, I guess this kind of fits too, where he's the anti-Alex Bregman and his play discipline is not very good either, which doesn't give him uh, much of a floor. Um, so he has to be hitting the snot out of the ball for him to be fantasy relevant in the first place. And then you have his home park also working against him. I just can't see that. I just can't see this holding up over a full season. Jared, when you, you asked about his points per game, but he's he is at 2.8 points per game right now. Um, but I I do kind of think that'll that'll drop um even historically uh he's never never really reached much of a ceiling um i think his high in points per game is only 2.3 so i think that's just kind of the the player that he is unfortunately i don't think he's going to reach a ceiling if he unless he ever is able to leave baltimore um and leave camden yards but even then um i think his play discipline would have to improve a good deal for him to be uh, consistent fantasy starter in our league so we got one player left at long last and we are going to to talk about Yusei Kikuchi who is a spark on Mike's team uh, he was drafted in the 22nd round I think I even said I, he was one of the guys I was looking at in that in that range uh, he's been pretty good this year uh, the whip is is only at 1.17 380 ERA but the most important stat of all, 14 points per game. He is the 15th overall reliever right now. And he is also a very good SPARP. Jerwin, I will start with you. What are your thoughts on Kikuchi? I gave Yusei Kikuchi a two. Uh, I think most of his appeal is the SPARP eligibility. And he's starting a lot of games this year so he's not going to have that next season so i i don't know i don't know i don't think he's going to continue to be as successful as he has been um and he's he's going to lose the thing that makes him appealing with that rp eligibility next season so 
I think you enjoy it while it lasts, and I I don't think it's gonna gonna last beyond this year. JC. Yeah, I actually don't disagree too much with Jerwin there. I have him at a three and a half. He's one of my lowest ranks. Uh, I mean, you say he, he's shown it against Tampa. I mean, nine Ks against a heavy hidden team. I mean, all power to him. But when people are making contact, they're making some hard hitting contact when he, he's pitching. And I have to agree that the SPRP um, eligibility is really what makes him so really good right now is because, you know, you can slot him in that RP slot and having him right now in this year. Yeah. Like I wish I drafted him and had him in my lineup right now, but for the sole reason that he has a high possibility of not being there next year um, that I think that would be the biggest deciding factor. So for me, I'm pretty low. I think he's doing great. Um, I, I think we'll see some regression in the future, um, but that's where I stand with you, say. Yeah, you guys kind of nailed it with the uh, him losing his relief pitcher eligibility because that's, like you said, that's the biggest selling point for him. And uh, I'll be honest, his his um, his walk rate is much improved this year. And I don't buy it one bit because I still like watching him pitch. I still don't think he has a clue where he's throwing the ball. Um, he generally doesn't locate very well. And uh, it just hasn't bit him yet. Um, even the strikeouts have been a little bit down uh, as of, as of late. So I, I guess I, I just don't, I don't buy the skills here. And uh, I, I think that the, um, I think the walks, well, he has, I shouldn't say the walks. I think he will, the, the lack of control will eventually start showing up in the walks. And like, like JC said, he gets hit when he gets hit, he really gets hit. And uh, I, I, I need to see a whole lot more from him before I believe that there's, there's a real change here. So I, I, I think all of that to say, I didn't actually give a number. I'm going to give, I'm going to give like a two. I just, I just don't buy it from Kikuchi even though I was very much in on him to begin the year. But again, that was mostly for the relief pitcher eligibility more than anything. And that's not going to be there next year. All right. So let's go to our week four preview. Uh, we're going to start with the best matchup. I will start us off here because I have our former top league rivalry Nate versus Jordan. I I'm really hoping to see some trash talk. I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but I'm hoping that we see, we see some fire here personally. So that's, that's my best matchup. Jerwin, what'd you have? Actually, I figured someone would say that and, and cover the, the rivalry of old. So I actually went with you and Sam this week. The, not like a huge reason. I just had the toughest time deciding who I was going to pick for this one because I think it's going to be pretty close. Um, it hasn't been so far, but that's what I thought uh, when I was making this pick. So, JC? For best matchup, I had Scott and Nick, and I, th I think Nick bounces back, back here with some firepower. So I, I think it's going to create a pretty good matchup. 
in all honesty, too, like Scott's team. I just love watching his players like on TV. Like he's got so many young guys and I think his team just has a lot of promise. So week out to week, it's pretty fun to watch his team. I think it'll be a good battle. All right, let's go to our thing to watch for. JC, I'm going to throw it back to you. Uh, thing to watch for, I had the waiver wire. Um, and that's because it's my own fault too. Like everybody, you know, has stuff outside of fancy baseball. So you can't always keep eyes on the waiver wire unless you're Nate. And <laughs> um, the reason I'm saying that is for people like uh, Brendan, like he could have, use the SPRP. It was the pirate that just got picked up. I think it was like Velsquez, if I said his name right, but he got picked up and that was a player that was on the waiver wire the whole day. Cause I saw him, but I didn't really like, I should have probably picked him up, but I let him go because he's going again. He had a pretty soft matchup and he could have used somebody like that to help his team throughout these tough times. Um, and I think for everybody you know, if there's no trading going on, um, that's something that you got to keep uh, an eye out on. Sherwin? Uh, similarly, since you mentioned Brendan, my thing to watch for is actually the return of Musgrove. Uh, will uh, this return help Brendan's pitching staff out? I mean, at this point, it's got to help a little bit because it's been it's been a very sad time for, for Brennan's pitching staff. Um, I mean, I, I know we've been saying on the podcast, like it'll, it'll get better when Redona and Musgrove return, but like how much can two guys fix, fix the, the sadness that's going on uh, still, it'll it'll hopefully be a nice boost and maybe maybe some of the guys who have been struggling for him uh pick things up now that now that their fearless leader is back i don't know if you've checked today or as a as a recording right now what his pitching staff is currently at oh no uh uh, let's just say it's i'll give you the number um can you can you get you want to want to guess what the number is (laughs) I have it right in front of me, so go ahead. Negative. Like so far this week or overall right. on the season? Just oh, no. today. Oh no. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess negative seven. You would be wrong. Try negative twenty-seven and a half. Oh, oh, yeah, this oh, is very a- tough. This oh, is... I have it. Kyle Bradish. Oh, I thought that was a good start this week. Oh no. I did I did too. Oh no. It's just oh man, this is like tough to watch. Yeah. We gotta throw positivity his way for sure. I mean, he's what my can he, what can you even do at this point? He's I my guess. most hated rival, so I don't feel bad. But if he if he wasn't my rival, I would feel I would feel bad. If you were trying to be positive about his pitching staff right now, what would you say? Musgrove's back this week. It, that has to be an improvement. <laughs> has to be. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll stop picking on Brendan. Um, my, my thing to watch for is will we actually have any trades? Because I would I, I would have to think we're approaching like league record territory with with the lack of trades to this point. Um, just the length of time between trades. I don't know how people are still functioning uh, because that usually doesn't happen. But that's my thing to watch for. Will we have just just a trade? Will we get to talk about trades in the next podcast? 
who knows uh but let's go to our matchup predictions um for just a recap of last week and kind of mad week for Jerwin and I we, we both went three and three Fantrax though had a banner week going five and one and of course we did not have a guest so no movement there our records so far this year I'm at 11 and seven Jerwin is right ahead of me at 12 and six Fantrax is also there 12 and six but the guest has been very good this year nine and three so no pressure JC but you got to keep that up uh got to keep up the the stellar guest which has kind of become a thing I guess because last year I remember me and Nate were getting smoked by the guests for most of the year but uh you know new year plenty of time to change so let's start with the let's let's start with my matchup uh I am facing Sam I went with me uh Fantrax also has picked me JC who did you take I took you I, I also took Jake, so unanimous. Sorry, Sam. I, I thought it was a tough matchup to to predict. Both projected pretty close. You guys didn't really have like a huge disparity in volume or anything, so uh, I had a tough time. But I just sided with Jake. Sorry, sorry for a lack of faith, Sam. Our next matchup is League villain Nick Andrews versus Scott. I took Scott in this one, but Fantrax disagrees taking League Villain Nick Andres. Uh JC, we're gonna go to you. I took Scott. Yeah, I took Scott as well. I he's just got a good team, man. I believe. Moving on to our old rivalry matchup, Nate versus Jordan. I took Nate. I think this is a week. I think this is the week where like Nate's been Nate's team's been kind of up and down, but I think this is the week where he his team just like pops off. Fantrax agrees it also took me. Anyone can go. <laughs> I took Nate. Goodness, we are. Uh, yeah, I also took Nate. We are just in lockstep right now. Uh, I, I took Nate for the reason that just like Jordan beat Nick in week one to get his championship revenge, Nate's going to get his semifinals revenge against Jordan this week for their first matchup of the season. Uh, I, I could see it because I picked that. So I, you know, I could see it. All right. We're going to move to Eddie versus Nick Lee. I think Nick Lee bounces back here. Fantrax also agrees with me. Also taking Nick Lee. Um, I'm just going to keep saying anyone can go. So I'll go. Whoever this wants time. To. I, I also took Nick Lee betting on a bounce back as well. He made some moves this week. He's, He's he's staying on top of that roster, and you love to see it. So, uh, so yeah, we're gonna go with Nick Lee. Eddie's on the struggle bus lately. I took Nick Lee as well. I don't think the return of Tatis is really gonna move the like it will move the needle, but not a ton to kind of like where he needs it. So I, I think Nick Lee takes it here. It's definitely not going to move the needle if he's being canceled out by freaking Austin Gomber every week. Eddie, stop that, starting him. That too. <laughs> Although he did do well the other day, but I, I think Take that's just I, I think that's just him setting up Eddie for more pain if he continues to start Austin Gomber. But let's move on to Jerwin's matchup. Jerwin, you got a tough one this week. You're facing off against Mike, and I don't believe in you, so I took Mike. Fantrax also doesn't believe in you and also took Mike. JC, do you believe in Jarwin? 
I also took Mike. So that's a no. Jerwin, do you believe in yourself? Goodness gracious. Are are we going to have a differing pick at all? Okay, here, here's, here's the thing. I mentioned last week, I'm not going to pick my team for every matchup because it's not about winning and losing. It's about being positive. So the positive thing I want this week is like, if Manny Machado can put up points this week, he's on my bench, but if he can put up points this week, that's a win to me. Uh, I also picked Mike. Originally, I thought, oh, this is going to be Mike's revenge week for me giving him a low draft grade. JC got his in week one. This is Mike's turn. But it turns out Mike is going to beat me because he's on a mission from God to to (laughs) humiliate me on the podcast as evidenced by a complete game shutout from Alex freaking Cobb. So I, I didn't stand a chance this week. Congratulations in advance, Mike. Very well done. I, I apologize. I hope I've cleared the air and I, I don't I don't deserve this anymore. Hopefully next matchup goes a bit better. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, last matchup here, Brendan versus JC. I took JC, Fantrax agrees with me. It also doesn't like Brendan's pitching staff. JC, who did you take? I took myself. I don't really think I need to comment. Guys, if we could, we can either go six and zero together because I also took JC, or we could go zero and six. This is this is going to be an interesting week. <laughs> I really That's didn't, wild. I didn't want that, but like a lot of these matchups, like you kind of like. I feel like you have to. The only two iffies for me was Nick versus Scott and Nate versus Jordan and, like, myself. I think everything else, like, even for Jerwin, I think Jerwin could somehow bounce against Mike. But I, you know, you got to ride the got to ride the streaks. This is crazy. We only had one differing pick, and it wasn't even us. It was just Fantrax, and they took Nick Andrews instead of – sorry, League Villain Nick Andrews instead of Scott. So we, I mean, if nothing else, it's going to be really easy for me to like tally up records next week. So, I mean, that's, we, that's we a positive. Need, we need to, to beat fan tracks. We, we cannot <laughs> finish with the worst pick record on the year than, than fan tracks. So we, we all need to, to pick it up a little bit. I'm tied. Jake, you're one behind. We gotta, we gotta get the job done here. All right, so we're going to go to our news and notes segment, and we're going to start with the call-ups from last week. Uh, and these were Mason Miller, the uh, the pitcher from the Athletics, Logan T. Allen, not Logan, not to be confused with Logan Allen, also of the Cleveland Guardians, and Michael Bush, who was called up, uh, was that yesterday? Uh, Dodgers second baseman. Which of these guys do you are you most excited about or kind of see making the biggest impact? Uh, Jarwin, we'll start with you. Um, I'm most excited about uh, about Mason Miller. He throws gas. It's hard not to be excited about that. I think I am most interested, if I can make that distinction, in Logan Miller, mostly because he's a blocker for my guy Gavin Williams, and I hope that Allen is bad and gets sent back down and gets replaced by my guy. So that's, that's what I'll be looking for out of this, out of this group. JC. I, I, for most exciting Logan Allen, um, I think there's a good case for both, but for me personally, um, I think he came out already with some good stuff. I think it'll be pretty exciting just to 
see to keep him going. And uh, he was ranked as their number eight prospect and uh, had the 34% strikeout rate in his AAA. So um, I think he can bring some good stuff and probably need it at this time with their pitching. So, Yeah, out of these guys, I'm most excited about Mason Miller just because the stuff is fantastic. But I think that the most fantasy relevant will be Logan T. Allen. Um, and I say that be- mostly because of circumstances with Mason Miller. He's, I don't think he's professionally, I don't think he's pitched over 30 innings um, or maybe it's 60 either way. It's very low. Um, I think he's going to kind of be like a five and dive sort of guy where uh, the A's are not really going to let him go beyond five innings to kind of keep his total down. And, you know, pitching for the A's makes it very hard to come by wins. I don't think they have a single starting pitcher win yet, which is tough to believe. Um, but yeah, it's more circumstance than anything else with Miller. Um, he, he looks fantastic and it's kind of cool that he's like a local kid too. Uh, Alan, I, I think they're the guardians will let him go more than, um, or like, I don't think they'll handle him with, with the kid gloves that they will with Miller. Um, and Alan also has the benefit of being a spark. So I think the bar is just lower there. Uh, we didn't really mention Michael Bush. Um, I only have him here because he got called up and that's kind of the point of this little segment. I don't think he's going to be up for long. I think he's just kind of replacing Max Muncy who's on paternity leave. So I I think he's kind of ticketed back to the minors um, whenever Muncy returns because he just doesn't really have a place to play right now. So if he gets called up later in the year, I'll probably put him back on here and we can reassess. But for right now, he's only up here because he got, or he's only at this segment because he got, called up all right so from call-ups to injuries slash uh suspensions now um so these are just going to be the the guys that are that have left us this past week happy trails to jameson tyon who had a groin injury he currently does not really have a timetable but i don't believe it's too serious uh this is a very serious one logan ohapi with the shoulder injury um, torn labrum he's going to be gone for four to six months i believe nate already dropped him will smith the i have to specify this is the catcher not the reliever since i have rostered the reliever and i guess he's like a thing again um, will smith has a concussion he's going to miss at least the upcoming series with the pirates he was supposed to return i think late last week and just didn't um so maybe a little concerning that this is still a thing and finally max scherzer who got suspended for his hand was too sticky from this, the, the, uh, the rosin, which, you know, it's, is sticky when it mixes. With it wasn't. Yeah. All right. So the same question as always, which manager should get the most sympathy for their loss? Or with, let's know. just, let's just say which of these is the biggest loss. If we don't know which managers the actually owns the, each of these players. Mine was actually between two, but it, it's definitely Logan. I, I mean, uh, I feel like he was contributing a lot, especially off the rip. Four dongs, 283 average. Um, but then Nick Lee, I also looked at, and, like, he really needs Max. So kind of sympathy for both, but more for all the Logan Ohapi owners out there. Jerwin? Yeah, I was between the same two. Like, Logan Ohapi is going to be missing for longer. That hurts Nate a lot because he traded away a catcher because he thought he was going to have Logan Ohapi. So that hurts a lot. But 
I, my sympathy, I think, goes to is going to go to Nick Lee losing two players, um, and one of them being unjustly and absurdly suspended. Uh, being that guy being Max Scherzer. So, uh, thoughts and prayers to Team C Deemer on this one for me. I'm also going Nick Lee here just because, uh, like you said, the Max Scherzer suspension was kind of stupid in my opinion, especially since we had this exact same situation happen with Domingo Herman and they let him keep pitching for whatever reason. That's the one thing I'm going to stand on my soapbox here for a second. That's the one thing we can't have is inconsistencies with this because this is already kind of a little sketchy with the way they're handling it. Um, they're, the rules are pretty vague regarding this. Uh, so we're saying that I'm, I'm working under the assumption he wasn't see, he wasn't using anything illegal, which it doesn't sound like he was. It sounds like there was too much rosin on his hands. And I, I don't understand why, like, are you going to let him use rosin and be okay with it? Or, are, or like, there's no defined what is too much rosin. So like, that's just how it works. When it mixes with sweat, it gets sticky. That's how it ha- It just happens. You can't stop it. So we have to define what is, like, if we, are, if we have to define what is too much rosin when we're allowing them to use it, that is really dumb. And we can't be picking and choosing who we're throwing out of games based on that, especially since in Domingo Herman's case, they asked him to wash his hands. I don't know if he did or he just they just weren't happy with it. And they just let him pitch. And the same situation happens with Scherzer, but he gets thrown out. It's stupid. And we need more clearly defined rules. What we really should be doing is just pre-tacking the baseballs already. And enough of the just enough of this nonsense. I've had enough of this already. And it's only yeah. April. To be fair, the the umpires said it was the stickiest thing they ever felt, and these are these are guys who are known for sitting around with their their finger up their butt. So, uh, I think we can take their word for it there, right? And I also read though it was the same umpire who ejected Scherzer, who's been like who ejected Scherzer, who's been behind like all these other different ejections. That's what I saw the too. Sticky things again thumb up the butt get get rid of the umpire not the pitcher yeah that i'm just gonna catch a fastball to the face <laughs> the catcher might just duck it yeah, yeah. <laughs> there might be a there might be a miscommunication or exactly like that yeah. with, he got, with the pitch he got crossed somehow. up you know yeah on a fastball <laughs> all right so we are reaching the end of the podcast which means it is time for the promised the long-awaited debut of the promised airing of grievances. Jerwin and I will be on mute. JC, take it away. Thanks, guys. I've got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about them. Number one, takes against me. You got to watch your back. You will be made in my video montage. And I think you guys need to incorporate a droppable meter now because I, for one, have a want more space, but honestly don't feel confident in who to drop. And I look at other teams and I also see, I think, how, how, is, how is that person still rostered? So I think you guys should incorporate that. And third, well, Joan, you stopped talking about your players. So, but don't be scared to give your own guy hype when the opportunity comes around. Thank you.